0: Welcome to Patch Notes, it is the week of August 21st Uh, I'm going to start doing that, I think That sounds like a fun way to introduce this podcast And really Uh, date it if, if I forget things Yeah, have we just forgotten what number we're on now? Yeah, uh, no, no, I still number them. Uh, I'm not going to say it in the intro, though, uh, because I don't know. Um, But uh, welcome to Patch Notes. Uh, I'm here with John and Liv, um, John Bernhard and Olivia Broussard. Um, Hello to both of you. Hey. Hello. Hello. Hello, How are you both doing? Uh,
1: I am. I'm good. Um,
0: I... uh, yeah, I'm good. Just <laughs> already has some sterling banter. This is great.
1: no, it was like because of all the stuff I was thinking about. No, I want to talk about this later. I want to talk about this later. I want to talk about this later. Yeah, I, I'm fine.
0: I'm doing well. Good. Yeah, uh, but, uh,
2: my brain is completely empty, and I'm doing good.
0: Good. Well, we all have empty brains right now, um, which is a, a sure sign of success for a podcast about <laughs> critical takes on games. games. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, let's start with, um, you know, I actually really want to start, start with this because I think it's something that is going to seem weird if it's at the end, uh, Mm -hmm. but makes a lot of sense at the beginning. I'd like to talk about the, uh, the big article, which I had not read and, um, it has been out since the second. I really should have read it, but, um, you know, I am, I am a, uh, an inveterate fool. Um, Laura Wagner wrote a piece on Deadspin, uh, which is, yes, if you're counting at home a sports site, um... That is uh, about how things are working at Gizmodo Media Which, again, if you're following from home You will recognize as the uh, home of many people From the website Kotaku um, So, John, you read this one you, yeah. you know about it You have some of the, the details in it It's a massive piece It um, is called This is How Things Work Now at Geo Media It looks very much worth reading um, so, Lara, Lara's a good writer So yeah. um, I would I would read that
1: There, There's some background necessary Which, if you don't know about so, uh, Gizmodo Media Group, which is the previous name of this organization and or the name they unionized under, it's now Geo Media uh, after they were sold, they came about as a result of the Gawker lawsuit, where Hulk Hogan um, venue shopped a, a fairly frivolous lawsuit against Gawker Media, um, got the judge he wanted in a Florida district, and got a bankr- uh, judgment against them that forced them into bankruptcy. Um, for fairly specious reasons and the way it went through uh, it means that even if they appealed they were still in bankruptcy and had to be sold um, Yikes. so they were so they were sold to Univision um uh uh Hayben, Hayme Sabin. Haim Sabin, I believe his uh, name the is. The Power is. Rangers guy. Yeah. Well Sabin is yeah, Sabin's the name of his corporation. He that <laughs> the that Power company Rangers guy. <laughs> the, They licensed the footage from the uh, the Sentai stuff in Japan, recut it with American acting and brought a lot of shows over like that. Yeah. That's one of the that's probably the major thing our listeners will know that Mass. But he also owns um Univision and he's also a large uh center right democratic bundler. So he had you may remember him from a guest starring role in the 2016 primary where he was very against Bernie Sanders um, okay, and supported right. Hillary Clinton. So that's the sort of person who owned Univision at the time. Now, the thing about Gizmodo Media Group is they're very big and have been since the Gawker days on self-reporting. In other words, critical reporting on themselves. Uh which, you know, you can have your opinions on <laughs> previous people who worked at Gawker, and I certainly do, um, but I believe that's, that's a very good media culture to have, that sort of self-crit, um, that sort of openness. And it got them in trouble, and it's getting them in trouble now. Um, Univision decided, uh, after a couple pieces where, um, I believe it was the special project desks, um, at Gizmodo Media Group, uh, went to a Univision-like uh, shareholders conference and reported on how rich the, um, the executives' clothing and stuff was. Mm. Um, as an example of you know, the funds that the company was giving to their executives versus the money they were paying to all of their workers, um, uh, Univision looked to get rid of this thorn in their side. Uh, And they spun them off to um, a group of venture capital or hedge fund media – private equity guys um, who, as far as anyone can tell, are doing the thing where they pretend to not have object permanence so that when they maliciously destroy a company, they just – act like Mr. Magoo when they just tripped in and fell into a bunch of rakes and, you know, walked onto an I-beam that was swinging around a construction site and then walked down a ladder and fired half the company. <laughs> sure. Right. Um, and if you go through the piece, it's a very long piece. Uh, it's, it's mostly concerned with um, the CEO, Jim Spanfeller. Uh, uh, the, he's the head of the private equity firm Great Hill Partners. And they took over the company, and they've basically just been systematically replacing all the top-level executives with Spanfeller's personal friends and making it an unconducive environment to do the work that this site is known for doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And since this article was published, uh, Megan Greenwell, the accomplished and lauded editor of Deadspin, and one of the steadiest hands at the company since the sale um, to Univision, really, uh, since the bankruptcy... Uh, acquisition. There's been a lot of turnover. Uh, Stop. Tom Scotia left the company. Um, uh, Tim Marchman was fired. Um, mm-hmm. Well, which was laid deal. off. Yeah, it, that was part of how uh, of what happened when um, Spanfeller and Company got GMG. They they shut the special projects desk down completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and and so what they've been doing is they've. Uh, this guy used to run Forbes. So you know he's been hiring white guys between the ages of 38 and, you know, 55 um who respond to emails from their coworkers about what do you do here with the people I report to know what I'm doing here that sort okay. of thing cool um and it's it's just it it's a progressive it's it's a progressive and obvious attempt to um basically to to gut the sites a private equity firm doesn't- aco- doesn't get something doesn't acquire something because it wants it to have lasting value it's because it wants to to eat it like a locust and then move on um, and that's more or less what they're doing with this although it uh, it's hard to tell what what value they think they're going to extract from this brand and it's hard to see this in any other light but that you know it was slightly profitable and to acquire this this company um this this set of sites and also serve their purposes of uh, shuttering one of the best new media news outlets and finally killing gawker for good um and we're we're at the point where greenwell's left the company she's uh, moving over to wired to become an editor there wired.com um They issued a new employee handbook that contravenes, flagrantly contravenes, and goes against the collectively bargained terms that the union has. And we're in a situation where uh, Jason Schreier of Kotaku tweeted this. A number of other uh, splinter and deadspin writers have tweeted about this. Uh, Those are the vertical side page heads, too. I'm assuming Jezebel and uh, the other other sites are also involved in this. Um, Yeah. Uh, th- they're just not paying attention to the employee handbook because that's not the collectively bargained terms that their union agreed to. And Interesting. we'll see what goes with that. But yeah, as far as video games go, Kotaku has been... uh regardless mean, maybe of maybe the what side you, of record. Yeah, well, I mean, regardless what you think about their clickbait stuff, about the drive, the necessity to publish, uh, I want to say one of these sites puts up probably about 20 articles a day. They, wanna, yeah, they, they like try that, to publish sure. about once an hour during peak uh, traffic and then maybe once every two hours during the overnight. So we're talking like you know, 17 to 20 articles a day they hope for. And, you know, maybe only 8 to 10 of those will be real news articles. Um, and the rest will be stuff like, here is this thing I did in this game. Here is this link. Here is this funny thing. That sort of stuff. And that's, you know, that's fine because the meat is there um, as well. And, you know, if they have to keep... Putting stuff out there for you know advert basically advertising purposes, even if it's not actually an ad, it's you know you, you always have to have more content in yeah. the current media environment. Um, you know th- they are doing important work, and Splinter is doing important work, and Deadspin's doing important work. Um, I mean, no less than um, oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. The guy, the German filmmaker, whose voice everyone likes to do when talking about the press stuff and was the villain oh, in Werner Herzog. Yes. Herzog, no less than uh, Werner Herzog has named <laughs> dead spin editor David Roth as the voice the, the, the best essayist on Donald Trump uh during his presidency. Um we all love David. David uh, Roth wonderful. is fantastic. Have you had uh, he was on he was on our live He stream. was on the stream. Yeah. He was on the stream. Yeah.
0: Um, um, yeah, no, it's it's um it's a strange thing. Like it's a it's a weird it's a weird moment in 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 time for these um. I don't know. Like I think it's a weird moment in time for for this uh, brand of media, and like mm-hmm. it's hard to watch. Like I know like some people are start some people are going off on their own. I know that um, the newsletter uh, formats become pretty big for people yeah. who have lost their jobs because of the stuff. Spencer Hall uh, started his own site again. Like, I mean, I don't know if he's still with SB Nation or not, but, yeah, in the sports world, it's it's very much uh, been a thing. Yeah, I mean... And uh, in the video games world, since, I mean, Game Informer just laid off 100 of its employees as yeah. well, um, it seems like it's going to be something in the games writing world as well, which is... Um, I mean, I mean uh, it's hard to watch.
1: It hit the sports world really hard. I mean, I say that mostly because I'm paying attention to the sports world. Um, I've held four um, fairly solid, you know, freelance contribut- contributing writer stints across five sites. Uh, four, four stints in across the last five years at uh, four different sites. And it's been kind of a nightmare because it, it went from Sports on Earth, which was uh, fantastic. I could pay the rent based off of it. I wrote three times a week. I had great professional editing. We had an office I could go into if I needed to go into it. Um, we had great communication from the editors down to the writers. We had all this great stuff uh, down to like me getting paid over PayPal mm-hmm. for my work.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... it's, it's um... I don't know to, to to sort of like to get back to to games. I mean, not not that this isn't interesting because yeah. it is, but like to to sort of bring it back to games. It will be. I think what I'm most interested in seeing is what is going to fill the void if PR. if indeed Kotaku we are uh, no no yeah, no, no. Right. PR public relations. Oh. I thought you said we are. No. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. But I mean, at the same point, there's always going to be people writing, and mostly it's going to be people writing who are unpaid. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see who that is Yeah. Um, moving forward and, and what that's going to look like in the um, in the upcoming days. It's a, it's a real shame. I mean, uh, it, it sucks, and it's going to be a bummer to watch, and I really hope all of my favorite writers don't lose their jobs, but uh, they, they might. Uh, well, that's the thing, and once people start writing for
1: free again, that means that the tech people will monetize the platform. Mm-hmm, um, right. Once, once a platform's found, and because all the other, all the current platform, like if you want to go onto Medium and do stuff, uh, Medium will. I, I had an arrangement with Medium for like a hot six months back in two thousand, early two thousand sixteen or something, um, where they pay one hundred and fifty dollars a post, and that that fizzled out quickly. Because, and they, you know, they paid five months late and that sort of thing. But sure. you know, everybody's everybody's hard up at this
0: point. They, we've squeezed what we can squeeze. Out of the free content economy, yeah, I mean something. Something's going to break, so we'll see what happens. Um, it's not something I'm looking forward to seeing, but no. it's something that I imagine will happen very soon. So, yeah, I don't. Think sad, th- sad news. It's see, it really doesn't seem like uh, GeoMedia is going to make it out of the year in its current state. No, I can't imagine. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that they. I don't think those equity companies really care. No. Um, cool. So. Um, Moving on to slightly happier news. I don't think we have happy news Um, this week. (laughs) There are... Well, we do. We we have that MK11 thing I threw in. We'll save the funny (laughs) thing to the end. Uh, Liv, you posted something about um, the the Halo lead... um, Basically, well, you, you you can read the like, give us the context of the tweet because it's from um, the tweet. I had I had his name up. It's, uh, oh, the it's Based Worm. at,
2: at base doctor worm. Yeah, this is how it's brought to my attention. Just the um, the juxtaposition of these two articles that were released <laughs> uh, within hours, an hour of each other, um, less than an hour of each other was. Uh, Halo Infinite creative director leaves 343 Industries, and Halo Infinite will have AAA player investment experience that includes microtransactions.
1: (laughs) Player investment experiences.
2: Yeah, I love AAA player investment experiences. I love to
0: be invested in my AAA titles. (laughs) I love when they give me that experience and that opportunity.
2: Well, yeah, that's pulled straight from uh, their job posting for a new live design lead um, <laughs> because they want to keep people engaged with Halo Infinite for a long time after release. Um, and, yeah, you we'll know, the, that the thing
0: no one else wants. It's a really strange and unique thing that they want there.
2: I can see why they're hiring. (laughs) The difference here is that they're looking for someone who uh, wants to express their passion, which we otherwise know that there's just a a total lack of in the game development industry.
0: I mean,
1: passion for microtransactions.
2: (laughs) Um, But they did note that the... The candidates' responsibilities are to put the player first in all of their team's designs, which is, of course, uh, what microtransactions does aim to do at all times is to put the player first. Give them oh, yeah, of what course. Really
0: what I like about microtransactions is how they're very small, so anyone can afford them. Hmm. Right. <laughs> I actually I actually had an experience with microtransactions this week because um, Tilly learned about Webkins. I tweeted about this uh, cuz oh, it was so hard to Is Webkin
2: still around?
0: It is. Um, it and it is like they have it on the phone, but the thing with Webkins on the phone is like the 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 interface is as sort of like clunky as you could expect because it's basically ported directly from PC. Um and the problem is everything is a microtransaction. Every single thing is like, oh, you can get your webkins bucks by like doing things in game and then you look at stuff and they're like, oh, if you want more webkins bucks, you can spend six dollars.
2: Well that and was you... the whole whole thing. Webkins was pay to play. You had to buy a webkins to be on the website. It was You don't event. have to
0: buy a Webkins anymore. You can well... just you can just do it. I mean I think Tilly would have been okay with the other way because she would like the stuffy, but like At the same point, she is, you know, it's funny playing with a toddler because you really get where, not a toddler, now a kid, where you get like the sense of why microtransactions are so (laughs) successful. Because they're just like, oh, it's $6, I can even afford that. It's like, no, we're not. (laughs) We're not spending. It's not. It's not a good thing to spend on. <laughs> so and this I'm, is this is a hard one. I haven't uh, talked about playing Magic: The Gathering
1: Arena in like a month or two. That's because I had to. I had to cold turkey cut myself off from that shit. It was it oh. were too many nights where I get. I have played for like four hours. I wasn't doing pre- precisely as well as I wanted. Maybe I've been drinking a little bit. And it was like one a.m. And at that point, spending four dollars. To get or or five dollars to get the gems necessary to buy a pack that might have something I want in it, you know. Seemed like a good idea. All yeah. Of a sudden. So, you know, and at, if you're doing that twice, if you're having nights like that twice a week, that adds up. Um, so yep. I, I had to I had done install, um, and frankly, uh, we've talked about this before, but it is if we actually had regulatory uh, bodies in this country. Uh, that we're able to investigate things and do reports on stuff. Uh, we I think we'd find that it's even worse than we think in terms of how much of the revenue tail in the microtransactions industry is driven by uh, kids with no limits or who are using um, payment information that their parents don't know they have.
0: Yeah, or I mean, I think a lot of the kids are... It's not even like sneaky yeah. uh, for for a lot of the younger ones where it's just like kids don't really understand it's very hard to explain how money works
1: to yep. a kid. I mean it's um, exploitative, it's borderline predatory. Um and it's completely unregulated as far as I'm aware in this country. It's not considered gambling. Uh, it's not even as regulated as like uh fantasy sports
0: stuff is. But you know who I'd like to say does it really well and is regulate is self-regulating really well? Our new sponsor EA Um, (laughs) please buy (laughs) us ea
1: give us a golden parachute and you know we'll make three years of great no cartridge content and then we'll bomb off the face of the fucking earth transition to the departures
0: from bioware so yeah this is something that actually led to a number of other articles that you sent in uh live the so like the well actually no there's more on halo infinite so uh uh, do you want to do you want to talk a little more about halo infinite real quick
2: what else did you want me to talk about with halo infinite uh
0: talk (laughs) about how you applied for the creative director job
2: well i don't really want any competition so i think that i have (laughs) a passion for this job that i don't want people trying to um you know steal my swag or anything
0: i'm excited for master chief to finally say wig (laughs)
2: i'm so ready for cortana to finally kill everyone
0: (laughs) yeah cortana says find a plane emoji kill everyone and that's the end of the (laughs) game
2: (laughs) that's right
0: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the um i think the uh it's strange like it's really really weird to um it's really weird to see the like, that effect happens so quickly, I guess. Like, that's what's weird. That's what's strange to watch, mm-hmm. where it's, like, you know, within a day of, oh, yeah, this guy is, uh, is, it is laid off. was
2: within an
0: hour. Oh, it was within an hour. It was
2: less than an hour between um, God. Kotaku, like, announcing that the creative director left the company and, like, whenever this uh, AAA player investment experience thing came out. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, uh, that's transparent. <laughs> so i don't
2: know it could be a coincidence
0: i am a big believer in coincidences because they're true <laughs> uh so you know what uh thanks to microsoft our other new sponsor um i'm i'm twe- I'm, I'm recording We're this rich. from my new from my new uh my new blimp uh, that i that i definitely need for reasons um but John you were saying that there are also uh people being laid off from or not laid off no. but like yeah. heads are being lost basically and not literal people's heads we're not sort of uh, we're not doing the guillotine meme uh but people people are uh losing the heads of development um if you want to talk us through that a little bit Yeah dragon uh a week ago anthem
1: if we all remember that dearly departed game that was supposed to have Constantly updating story content after launch and a massive online experience for a revenue tail past the uh, the original content that was released um, when the game shipped. Uh, they lost their lead. Um, as uh-huh. far as I'm aware, none of that none of that promised content has either come out or, uh, if it has come out, no one is talking
0: about it. Um, well, yeah, no, I don't think. I mean. It's surp- It's a little surprising to me that they even have a lead. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, they the EA
1: began drawing down uh, Bioware Edmonton to start supporting Dragon Age 4, like, months ago, um, almost as soon as Anthem had shipped, because Anthem, no one at Anthem, no one at EA could have believed that Anthem was going to be a success. Like, uh, no one could have been that blindered, or blinkered, um... By oh, the, sure by the shipping destinations. Because, because cause no one was... like All the coverage of it was, let's hope this is better when it comes out. And if mm. games media is saying, let's hope this is better when it comes out, about your title, you're doomed. Yeah, Especially if fair. it's a four-year A project that you are only going to get profitability on if you can do a Destiny thing and spread out the player investment, both in time and money... Over a two and a half year period, let's say, mm-hmm. because with mm-hmm. Destiny, you have the original buy, you have whatever uh, subscription stuff that they had to pay for to get in there. Which for console players means buying uh, PlayStation Pro, for Xbox players means buying uh, Xbox Gold, Xbox Live Gold, or something. I'm not sure if there's any, you know, if there's any side runoff profits for that or profit sharing based on, you know. Who's doing what on the platform? I would not be surprised if there was. Wouldn't be particularly surprised if there wasn't. But once you get past that stuff and DLC and expansion sets, which Destiny hits pretty regularly, and cosmetic stuff in the cash shop, you've got a very solid way of, of turning uh, your initial investment into a long term uh, revenue generator. Anthem was pretty much dead on arrival. Yes. Um, and so the idea that it even lasted this long for Anthem Lee Ben Irving to be leaving Anthem in, uh, on, in the middle of August 2019 is kind of a surprise. But, you know, people figured that the next big thing from Bioware is going to be Dragon Age 4. So, of course, it sort of makes sense, since Anthem is a failure, to draw down those teams and support Dragon Age 4. Then this week, Dragon Age 4's is lead production. <laughs> lead producer left BioWare. That's Um, not good. So, Fernando Mello had been a... He was a BioWare veteran. He worked on Dragon Age Origins, the first game. He worked on Dragon Age 2, which was not a good game, but had some mitigating circumstances from EA's corporate um, demands that were made of of the game. It was basically made in, like, 18 to 20 months. Um And and it plays and looks and feels like a game that was made in 18 to 20 months. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't think he... It doesn't say he worked on Inquisition here, but that he was a lead producer and uh, head of creative stuff on the fourth Dragon Age game. Now, what's interesting about this is that we've already heard rumors and scuttlebutt from games reporters that EA wants... Dragon Age to sort of step up and fill what Anthem was doing. Uh, and what Anthem didn't do for them. So they want a revenue tale. They want a continuing online experience. They want all this stuff that if you played Inquisition, you got, this, you got the feeling, the very, very strong feeling that that game started its life as an MMO.
0: Uh-huh. Right. Um, I've heard that before. Yeah.
1: It, it, the starting area is absolutely immense. The game is filled with cosmetic mounts that don't have different qualities about them they're just entirely different looking horses or bone horses or elk or stuff like that uh but there's like literally a hundred of them which is odd because you're not <laughs> cool you know it, it's very good it's, it, i like it but also riding places isn't as important as you, it would seem like you don't actually get a huge speed boost from it so it seems like that was going to be a cosmetic element that was nerfed um and removed from being like paid DLC or cash stop, uh, cash shop skins, sort of business. And as the game goes on, the areas get smaller and smaller and more focused at, into what you'd expect from a single player RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, instead mm-hmm. of these huge sprawling, like uh, there were a lot of articles when uh, Inquisition came out about the hinterlands, which is the first area you go to, and that people would burn out on the game because they had this idea in their heads which was not like a wrong idea if they played a lot of these games that they had to finish everything in the hinterlands before moving on and doing more plot stuff that is absolutely not what you're supposed to do in that game you're supposed to do the mission stuff you were assigned to do and then leave to go do story stuff and come back later because that's how you structure an mmo area um, right, sure you know that because that area is supposed to be a living part of, in an mmo it's a living part of the system that you add new content to over time that they spend that players spend time exploring um and interacting with other players maybe doing pvp that sort of stuff um they want in dragon age 4 it sounds like they're putting their foot down And Dragon Age 4 is at least going to be, like, fake single-player. Sort of like single-player, always online, and you interact with other players somehow, maybe through a a Dark Souls-esque, you know, uh, invasion system, or, you know, there's lore ways they can do this, if they really want to.
0: Uh, Like a a No Man's Sky sort of thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. and it's really unclear what, what EA wants this product to be, except profitable. They want a success. Mm-hmm. They need a success. And the way they're defining success is the way they define success with Anthem, which is a product that can't be pirated, a product that, has, that, is, that retails for $60 but can, ha, but has enough content at launch to convince uh, loyalists Players to shell out for the ninety dollar version, and then has a robust, uh, titrated content release schedule after launch to keep people involved and playing and spending money. And that is not—that's
0: kind of what everyone wants. It is in gaming these days.
1: Um, and that's just not what the Dragon Age series has been so far in its in its development, because it's very important to the Dragon Age series that you. The player are a special person of whom there are not 90,000 others on the server with you, most of whom are like 14-year-olds screaming racial slurs. Like, you as, you're as you always given like a name like the Inquisitor or the, the Warden or something. You're supposed to be very special. You're supposed to be the center of the story. You're supposed to be a bespoke character. and the the game is supposed to react to you individually, and that just cannot work with uh, the multiplayer demands that EA wants from this unless they've completely revolutionized how gaming works. (laughs) Like, if if they've completely changed the game and figured out a way to let everyone interact with each other in a way while preserving the sort of, like, dating sim visual novel stuff in the single player and having that feel good, then they're going to make a whole lot of money.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I guess like, but like yeah, their lead leaving makes it seem like either they are immediately taking that, you know, vision and running with it, or more likely than not, they've lost the one person who can kind of bring them in.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm not even sure if he was the one person, but it, it's it's a sign that it's a mess. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'd be more optimistic if like the last three things that came from this company weren't a mess. This this studio weren't a mess. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm a fan of of Andromeda. Mass Effect Andromeda, well, more of a fan than most people are, but that game's kind of a mess. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a mess at launch. It was kind of unfairly portrayed as a mess at launch. Um, A lot of the bugs, uh, mostly because they did a really stupid beta access a couple of weeks before launch, and people just screencapped some of the bugs they just hadn't gotten. Um, And there were a lot of them, to be fair. Uh, But, you know, Andromeda was was a mess, Um, And and Inquisition, as I just described, even though it was very successful and it it ended up being a very good game, was a mess. We talked about a long time ago in this podcast, I guess, 16 episodes or whatever it was, (laughs) uh, back when Anthem came out. um, Bioware people were saying that Inquisition's success was the worst thing that happened to them. Because it validated in EA and Bioware Management's eyes that the model for game production that they had was fine and that that could just be the way they make games uh, from now and moving forward. And Mm so I I have, at this point, Dragon Age is one of my favorite series. Uh, Inquisition was a game of the year candidate for me when it came out. Uh, I I am at this point ratcheting down my expectations for Dragon Age
0: 4 Mm. uh, and hoping to be pleasantly surprised. Makes sense. Speaking of pleasant surprises, um, here's our final fun part of the episode. Uh, there has been a, uh, a drop on Mortal Kombat 11 uh, <laughs> of licensed uh, third-person... Uh, third-party. Third-party. Well, also third-person, yeah. uh, but it's a fighting game, so of course. But uh, third-party... Um, Properties that are now playable characters in um, in your favorite uh, Mortal Kombat uh, fighting game of late, we got um, the Terminator. Arnold, we got, it's Arnold. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, if you it's, look it's at Arnold it, it's Terminator. literally Arnold. Uh, yeah. They got his license. It's pretty cool. Uh, they got um, they got what else is uh, they got they got. I'm trying to. I'm leaving the last one for last. But yeah. They got uh, some sort of guy who Spawn. I don't recognize. They got well, Spawn. they have Spawn. Spawn, I recognize. Who's the other guy? Um, the third guy. Do you want me to talk about the Tory
1: or? All right, I'll just I'll just describe. Who, it's well, six characters. The, it's six. It's six okay, total so one's characters. The Joker. Yeah, Let me just say. Yeah, once the, the Joker. Joker, we'll save him for last. the uh, The first two characters are Shang Tsung, who honestly should have been in the base game, but he was kept back for you know, we've been talking about. Uh, revenue Tales, Shang Tsung was kept back so that people would buy the first DLC pack. Uh, sure. Shang Tsung's been out for a while. Nighthawk, the um, concerningly white 90s take on Native American fighter who has become fairly uh, decent at representation since then. Um, he was DLC as well. And uh, Sindel, I believe. Sindel's the third one. Uh, she's mm-hmm. the she's the woman with the 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 poofy hair. Uh, sh- I believe she's Shao Kahn's. Um wife she died she came back that's why she sort of looks like a zombie those three are mortal combat characters so mortal Kombat um is just bringing them back and putting them in the game from their catalog and then they have three third-party licensed characters one is spawn todd mcfarland spawn who just keeps showing up like a bad penny in these games he was also in i believe soul caliber two or three one of those two he was one of the special console characters for that series um, and now he's back, and he looks just as much like Spawn as he did before. Um, mm-hmm, sure. There is, obviously, Arnold Terminator. He has the look of the Arnold Terminator from the new movie, I assume. That's where that's where he's coming from, with the right. beard and you know, half of his it's face. Pretty cool. is, yeah, he looks really yeah. good. Arnold Terminator looks great. Um, and, honestly, he fits the vibe of what Mortal Kombat is going for kind of perfectly. Like, not only does it... Is it realistic for him to be doing fatalities to people? No one's gonna be like grossed out or concerned if a Terminator gets itself cut up, um, <laughs> and he and he's precisely as lethal as Mortal Kombat likes and, and can't be as Mortal Kombat likes to do with their characters. Spawn mm-hmm. less so, but you know whatever. And then there's the Joker.
0: Um, the Joker's got so, this. I want, I want everyone to describe the Joker. All right, my uh, so mm-hmm. Liv, Did you see the Joker?
2: Yes, I have seen the Joker.
0: Okay. Cuz it, um, it's not the Joker from Injustice 2. What do you think of the Wait, I, I want I want I want ideas about the, this Joker before we fully describe him cuz mm-hmm. he is he is a bespoke Joker. This is this is a Joker that was never seen before until this Mortal Kombat release. So, what do you think of the Joker? How would you describe this this particular Joker? This this clown prince of crime.
2: Hmm. He kind of looks like maybe the third best DDR player at your local cinema. <laughs> that's yeah,
0: <laughs> that's very good. Um, I'm gonna say this uh, this particular Joker looks like a um, someone who saw the the that one Joker from like San Jose or whatever, and uh, and decided to do a follow up account to try and build on the on the. Uh, uh, the hype. Are you saying he's like the Joker's trick, Joker? No, Joker's trick doesn't. No, no, it's like it's like a real person. Who oh, does that. yeah, that's what I'm thinking here. All
1: right, my my take on it was that he looks like a Tory. Okay. Um, I, I think this guy was in the room when uh, David Cameron fucked the pig. Um, <laughs> I think he was classmates with Boris Johnson at Eton, Eton, Oxford, whatever. Wherever those creeps go, like, like, look, like he's got that, this like. Before he all right in the trailer before he like breaks out the Joker grin like because the Joker has a smile, an iconic trademark smile. But he's smiling before he does that, and he's got his lips closed and his mouth up, and he and his head sort of leaned back, and he looks like mommy's very special boy. (laughs) Um, and he and he's got his this button up shirt which is buttoned up all the way to the top. It has the top collar button buttoned as well. But he's not wearing a tie.
0: So that's very he, weird. So he looks like a Mormon.
1: He, yeah, he, it's it's very strange. He looks like he looks like a public schoolboy from Britain, um, and he looks just as satisfied with himself as a public schoolboy from Britain would. And, and then, of course, he breaks out the Joker smile and looks vaguely similar. To, uh, I, I believe someone posted on Twitter um, a, comp- a comparison between him and like one of the porn parody Joker actors, and yeah, it's like the, the same par-
0: guy. Yeah, it is definitely. It's um it's very funny. I like I always like when they when people post the porn parody uh superheroes and they look the same or better than uh than the real ones. Yeah, it's it's very that they get really into out. that stuff. Like the porn the porn parody
1: people do like they do some I mean, good know, cosplay apparently.
0: You're costuming on a porn set. I I don't know like what else are you doing? That's true. Um but yeah, no, he's uh he's
1: I love him. I kind of I hate him because I hate the Joker, but I love that this version of the Joker exists because this is a version of the Joker you really want to kill. Um,
0: I like that. I like that the Joker is here because it reminds me of my favorite comedy "Bang Bang" bit where Scott Ackerman will mention the Joker to his guests and uh, they'll be nonplussed by it and they will go, "Well, he's the Joker. He's terrifying. He thinks crime is funny." That's <laughs> Um, it's one of my. It makes me laugh so hard every time he says it. So uh, hopefully he brings it up again because of this. Um, but what are some of your? So like, what are some of your favorite third-party uh, people in fighting games or video games in general? I will give you mine. Mm-hmm. It is an obvious one, but it is the truth. Um, mine is, is Pepsi Man in Fighting Vipers. Nice. I think it's great that Pepsi Man was in a fighting game. I think it is incredibly dumb and extremely funny, um, and I'm I'm all about it. Um, probably some of the other ones were in, like, I don't know, Primal Rage or whatever back in the 90s when you could put anyone in anything. But Pepsi Man is the one I remember.
1: Um, I, I, th- I have a serious one and a not serious one. I'll go with the not serious one first. Right. Uh, Street Fighter X Tekken Mega Man uh, because they did not use actual Mega Man. Just Google Mega Man Tekken. He's this big, he's he's from the original, like, I think in the American box art for the first Mega Man. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. This guy. I know, but yeah, the guy who's holding the gun. Mm-hmm. And, he, yeah. you know, he's this big, uh, let's be generous and call him a dad bod guy. Um, okay. Who, who, he looks like a bad cosplayer. Um, and he's, you know, that's just the original Mega Man. But he was released in a game uh, in, like, the 2000s, two thousand or 2010s? When was that? I think it was, yeah, it was like 2011 or something, um, with this character who was just completely different from what Mega Man had become by that mm-hmm. point. Um, my but, I mean, it's mm-hmm.
0: it's kind of a gag. Then, oh, yeah, right? yeah, definitely. That's knowing, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, they, they didn't you know make a mistake and put the wrong Mega Man in the game. It's just, you know, and I believe the lead-up was like they, they were just teasing Mega Man without showing him for a <laughs> while, and then and then they brought out this guy. Um, that's funny. Uh, and my serious answer is probably Link, from Soul Calibur 2. He was the Dreamcast exclusive character, um, and he was completely broken. Um, I think he he was a... F- Soul Calibur's always had, I think, the best sense of humor about their uh, their third-party characters. Um, For sure. They're also completely broken. Uh, you, you, I, I want to say, like, to the extent that Soul Calibur is played competitively, I want to say, like, almost all DLC characters or, are, 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 you know, non-franchise characters are banned um especially you know they had Yoda in there and he was just half as tall as everyone so your <laughs> your 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 high attacks just couldn't hit him yeah that's not great <laughs> um and you know they had Darth Vader they had um I want to say uh, the most recent round was um 2B from Near and okay. Geralt from the Witcher Gerald um Gerald, Gerald both himself. of whom were very powerful um and you know, I, I, I want to say Soul Calibur's had the best sense of humor about their uh, about their guest stars. Uh, Tekken like uh, Tekken had the protagonist from Final Fantasy fifteen, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character from The Walking Dead. Yeah, Negan, I think his name is
0: Nagin. Yeah. <sighs> no, I mean it's it's bad. Yeah. Um, live any 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 that pop to mind? Are there any games that you love the the guest stars in?
2: i don't know does bayonetta and smash brothers count i was gonna it's say hard. does smash count yeah. i think
0: she does i think she does because smash has like a sense of who its main characters are like kirby doesn't count you know Mega Man. like like what do you mean
2: kirby doesn't count
0: as a third party <laughs> character or whatever yeah oh. that's all i mean yeah i don't mean he doesn't count in general of course he does because <laughs> uh, he's, he's I, a guy from the first party nintendo games right well, so is Bayonetta, but like the or I guess it's not just now, platinum. Like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess like the thing is like there are there are characters who you associate with Nintendo specifically, yeah. um, and then there are characters you don't like, Sonic and Snake <laughs> and Bayonetta and, and all of these people that like I think I think count essentially the same emotional weight as like a third party character. So I say Bayonetta counts.
2: Yeah, and she wasn't originally developed for Nintendo; it just got no. Yeah. Um, I don't think that I really had a Nintendo association till Bayonetta two. So I feel like.
0: Yeah. 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 No, I think you're absolutely right. Um. So I I I I okay this. I think I think that's an excellent answer. Thank um, you.
2: I'm glad it's okay. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> you guys do know that I grade all of these at the end. Mm-hmm. I'll be sending you a report card at the end of the year. Everyone's favorite I thing. I'll Hide it from my parents. <laughs> John, you're on a podcast? This is terrible. <laughs> um, well, all right. Let's get to what everyone loves to hear. Uh, what do you all plan? Who wants to go first?
2: I I can go right. first. Go um, first. So I think this weekend I was mostly playing a little bit of Stardew. And then I tried out the um, new Overwatch competitive role queue, um, which is a change from how overwatch competitive did work where you could queue as any hero as long as it wasn't locked
0: Mm -hmm. but now
2: you uh you can queue into either a tank dps or healer and they're requiring two of each for each uh for each game for the matchmaking and i think that it's working a lot better i don't know
0: yeah it's a lot
2: more fun and I think it's a lot more fun to watch Overwatch League, the, the eSports League as well, just because it was the same uh, same team comp over and over again. And now there's more variance between teams. But other than that, I played Sagebrush, which is um, an indie game that came out this month, which is a first-person narrative game um, that centers around... Uh, A death cult, a a Christian death cult. Um, And I played it on Switch because it's on sale right now on Switch if you're interested. And it was just, it was an incredibly tense game. I probably finished it all in about an hour and a half, and it was I won't say that there was, like, anything about the story that was, like, particularly shocking or particularly novel, but it was extremely well done and incredibly tense. And I would definitely recommend playing it if you think a game about cults interest you at all um
0: they do then, that sounds like a really fun indie <laughs> version of like uh, outlast or something
2: uh, it reminded me i don't know what it reminded me of i don't know that i've really like looked too much into like christian christian cults other than growing up in the southern baptist church <laughs> um but other than that i started playing this is my last game uh, a short hike Um, which is available just on like pc um and yeah mac Um, but i'm playing it on itch and it reminds me of kind of like an animal crossing style game it's not the play style isn't the same but it's very cutesy and very very sweet and just like a nice game to play and that sounds lovely yeah it's cute. You should definitely check it out. You can fish in it, which is um, my barometer for a good game. <laughs>
0: Whether a game is good or not. Well now you yeah. can you I...
1: can fish now in the uh the Call of Duty black uh battle royale, I believe. So well, we've gotta
2: not be playing that. Might
0: yeah. <laughs> might need <laughs> <What>? to revise.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can you fish live. you'd be so it's good.
2: Really <laughs> I would be good. I'm a master at uh the fishing the fishing skill in every single game. I'm a very good fisher.
0: I mean, yeah. I think I think if fishing became the meta, you probably could go pro in Call of Duty.
2: Oh, maybe so. Maybe I will consider it.
0: Maybe I will consider going pro in Call of Duty. <laughs> um, I have been playing. Um, I've been actually playing two games, um, but one I've already talked about on the show, which is uh, I got back to Bloodstained: uh, Curse of the Moon, which. Uh, actually, I, I did not grab me initially, and then uh, about 50% of the way through, the mechanics change in such a way that it is very fun, in much the same way that Sonata of the Night was, which is kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, it's a good game. It's fun. But the game I've been surprising myself enjoying playing is uh, Final Fantasy XIV. I finally figured out how to play an MMO. Damn. Um, We've lost you. Not really. <laughs> um, I just I, I don't have enough time to lose myself in it, but I do like... Um, people have just been talking so much about the storylines and eventually I'm going to be writing something on the Final Fantasy series, so I have to play it at some point. So I've kind of forced my way into it. And it is, um, I don't know, it's fun to do little tasks and, uh, and see the numbers go up. Are you enjoying and the quest names? I hear
1: amazing things about the
0: localization of the quest names in terms of puns. They're good so far. I mean, I'm, I'm not in any of the, I'm only in the base game at ah. this point, so um, no one has a lot of, anything to say about the base game. It's once you get to the expansions that apparently it gets especially good, but I'm even enjoying the base game. So surprising myself, um, you know, I bounced as Liz, out Liz, as Liz, I went to a, a friend's wedding named Liz, uh, it was a lovely wedding. It was this weekend, oh, but um, they the wedding Liz, they come on. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, as live, will will tell you, I bounced immediately off of world of Warcraft. And I think had you had to explain any more to me about world of Warcraft, you would have died of embarrassment. Um, but I was able to work out all the stuff I didn't know about MMOs on my own, um, which, uh, was probably for the best, like having to, having to do it for work and then, um, uh, you know, doing, um, doing it basically like saying, okay, what's the map? How do I find a map? What is this game trying to tell me? <laughs> and slowly working it out. Um have you, I can see the appeal now, which is uh which is something I never thought I'd
1: say. Have you gotten to like the part where you have to get a house and then the weird real estate market they have going on in that game?
0: Yeah, it's weird. They uh they only sell to um they only sell to uh um Adventurers, yeah, yeah, there's that, uh, and like everyone in the town is like, Why won't they sell to me? I'm I'm a settler, and they're like, Oh, sorry, <laughs> they only sell it's like, Oh, okay, no, no but like there, there were IR uh, in real life things where
1: like uh, like people go to went to like the, the most remote server where no one was buying houses or something and like bought up properties for speculation purposes <laughs> uh, so that now they're charging massive. Uh, either rents or massive rates to sell those properties to other players um apparently the real estate market is replicating itself in real time in final fantasy 14
0: huh i'll look into that yeah that's uh very interesting <laughs> well it's been a lovely time talking to both of you uh, uh i don't i don't get hmm? i i also played stuff oh this week. gosh jeez! i thought you said something <laughs> no, no you have it John is banned um, yeah. from talking about the things he does. Well, I mean, I you, you should actually magic. ban just, me because uh, I'm going to be
1: talking about Warhammer again. Um, since, okay, no, no, please. Since I, I'm doing the, the series of articles for Goonhammer.com um, reviewing like just the Dawn of War series uh, from beginning to end, uh, which is games from 2004 to like to last year when, when Dawn of War 3 okay. came out and failed utterly. Um, usually when I play these games... Uh, at least when I played the first Dawn of War, and when I played the Warhammer games before that, um, you know, I'd spend an hour to a night with them. I wouldn't try to delve deep into the campaign. I'd just try to get a good flavor of the entire product. Um, not so with Dawn of War 2. With Dawn of War 2, I've spent like six hours a day, the last two days, just wow. playing through that game, because Dawn of War 2, it, it just, it does it for me. Whatever it is that... I like about that series Dawn of War Two does it. Uh, it moves away from the RTS strategy to be like, sort of like a MOBA. It's like a single player MOBA. Um, okay, okay. You basically get given hero like all you get. And st- you don't build units. You don't. Um, you don't. You don't have a base. You don't uh, have a resource or anything. You get four hero units, and you got to go in the campaign. Um, huh. And those units can heal at certain strategic points that you capture. But all you have is those four units. Um, and you, ob- they level up over the course of the campaign. You give them different gear. And you uh, have to learn how to use their special abilities and all that stuff. And it, it feels sort of like a like a like an early prototype single-player MOBA. Especially because even though a lot of the maps are single-player, like bespoke single-player maps, they're designed more or less with lanes. The biggest okay. difference between... Huh the gameplay here and the gameplay in a MOBA is that you absolutely under no circumstances want to split your forces. So you don't okay. have multiple groups of of heroes going this way and that way and that way. You you always keep your four together and you have a, a party composition. This guy does this, this guy does that, this person kills infantry, this person's good against vehicles, that sort of thing. Um, huh. okay. The story's pretty decent. It's Warhammer 40k shit. Um, it's hard to get too enthusiastic about it, but it does have a lot of good British voice actors saying really silly shit seriously. Like, uh, if, you've, if you've never heard a guy who clearly trained classically for the British stage say the name of an orc, like Rampa Stampa, uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's stomp. A, a completely, 100% seriously, not taking the piss, just doing the work. Uh, The the Dawn of War games have that, and it's pretty fun. Huh. All right. Well, that's actually a pretty good uh, endorsement for them. Yeah. (laughs) I hope you wrote that at Goonhammer. Uh, Yeah. Um, That article will be dropping next week because this week I reviewed the Dawn of War expansions and had less positive things to say about them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well... Um, okay, great. Then, uh, then Dawn of War is that sounds like a lovely. Uh, actually, the way you described it there sounds wonderful. Um, thank you both for being here. And um, people can find you online, AV Club and um, and John Bernhard. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you both very soon. I think. Have a well, have a lovely week. You too, and everyone out there as well. Farewell. Farewell. <laughs> Farewell. Fare thee well. <laughs> Good night. Patch notes. I'm Trevor Struck, Haglebun on Twitter, and I'm here uh, as always with Jonathan JB Cryon. Burn hard. Hello, John. Hey, Trev. I get more names every week. It's true. And wait, no, I didn't I get called Angry Birds. I get less names every week. I yeah, I really should be working fewer names. Um, you know, maybe we can get uh, Prance and Reese to draw you. Um, more. Uh, he already has. Waka the- and all. Yeah, I know. It's a great one. Um. Uh, Liv is, uh, is taking, uh, an extended break or quitting or stopping or ceasing or retiring, uh, from patch notes. It's a, which is fine. Uh, she has been, uh, focusing a lot on, uh. Use for uh, the mothership brand, the no cartridge brand, and I think she really wanted to focus on that, despite how much fun she was having with both of us every week. Uh, and so it's kind of back to back to the original original grind, my friend. Back to yeah. back to just you and me.
1: I just did the the big boss salute while removing her entry from the which games we're going to talk about uh, <laughs> a, a portion of our uh, shared. Document. It's a lot like the end of Metal Gear Solid. 3, it if is. you think about it. Yeah. We, we uh we murdered her with a knife in a field of
0: flowers? Sure. No. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that sounds right. No, it's like it's like the boss fight with the end or no, it's not maybe it's not like anything else. <laughs> no, it is it's incredibly not like any of that stuff. It but could be, we do think. miss her. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, that that's that's yeah, that's we just like we miss metal gear. Um but you're here this week, John, and and mm-hmm. what a week to be here. Uh yeah. Looks like it was going to be slow up to the last 48 hours. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, let's lead with the thing that I'm sure neither of us want to lead with, but uh, maybe is the most important thing that's happened in the last 20, in 24 or 48 hours. Um, excuse me. A lot of, uh, well, I would say a lot of important names in indie yeah. dev have been. Um, uh, people have outed them as uh, the sexual assaulters. And yeah, we've got, I think there's three names. Racists. There's three big names, right? At this point. Um, is, it, where is it three or is it up to four?
1: It might be up if it's up to four, then I'm just not up
0: to date on the names. So we got, um, right now, um, uh, uh, This is the one I didn't know the most was, and this is silly because I think it's the most uh, popular. But uh, Jeremy Soule, yeah, I
1: I thought so. Yeah, Jeremy Soule, the Skyrim composer, yeah, which which is an odd designation because most of the Skyrim music is like, all right, never mind. I mean, it is legitimate work to take previously existing music and reformulate it for a new setting, Um, but but still, yeah, yeah. That's but probably no, so the guy whose who's work most gamers have interacted with.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Jeremy Soul, uh and also uh, most impactful to this podcast, mm-hmm. Alex Holoka, uh, who I did not know personally or ever even met, meet, met him, but, um, or spoke to him, actually. But uh, he was, of course, uh, one third of the, uh, the group that brought us uh, Night in the Woods. Um, so uh, you know, uh, not just friend of the show, but friend uh, of mine, uh, Scott Benson has issued a statement um, about all this. They have uh, cut ties completely with Alex, or I'm sorry, Alec. Um, they have. Uh, it has been quite a quite a hard thing for them, and, and, a, and a shocking and sad uh, moment. And then also um, uh, Alexis Kennedy. Was- I thought there was one other before Alexis, but okay, yeah, no, no, you're right. It's only, uh, it's only three so uh, thus far. But uh, Alexis Kennedy of Fail Better Games, yeah. um, the absolutely wonderful studio who brought us uh, Sunless uh, Sunless Seas and Sunless uh, Sky, Fallen London, yeah. the um, the quite
1: underrated uh, prequel game to Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh, that's, um, I didn't realize they did that. Yeah, that's they cool. did that. It, it's basically, it's, it's more like, it's like a reskin of Fallen London, but yeah. I, I have no idea to the degree to which Kennedy was involved in any of this stuff.
0: Um, well, I know and... he was
1: involved with a great majority of Fail Better Games, because
0: he was a founder, or the founder. Yeah, uh, Sunless Skies doesn't have a lot of Alexis in it. Um, uh, Sun, uh, Sunless uh, C does... And uh, Cultist Simulator, one of uh, a lot of people's favorite games. Right, yeah. uh, Well, not favorite, but a a game that a lot of people really, really liked in 2018 um, was almost all him. So, uh, also kind of a a shocking thing. Um, And apparently not a shocking thing to actual women in the industry. Um, Right. I, I guess that's one thing to talk about. So, like, you know, someone was talking to me about, you know, what someone was saying you know i hope i hope it's not going to be the case that we find out you know uh, the that Scott and bethany knew about this or something like that and i said well you know look like um i can only speak for what i can speak for but i know them and uh as you know to the best of my knowledge uh they are being since scott is being sincere when he says he didn't know um and and I believe that and I, I don't think he did I think it's been very hard uh, and obviously he's not trying to diminish any of the experiences of anyone mm-hmm. else or trying to center himself as the victim but uh, you know he didn't know um it's it's news to him and and very hard news at that and I but the one thing that they said was you know okay fine even if we believe that um, which I would encourage everyone to. <laughs> To take these uh, take people at yeah. their word especially if they are coming at it uh immediately and, and in good ways uh but we could talk about that too um you know like even if we take people at their word what do we make of like what do we make of uh the industry then like the industry just seems like completely um irredeemable like, yeah well, I, I do, mean, you, do you just say like oh okay like Every single person in the industry, every single man in the industry is, um, until we learn otherwise, uh, to be understood as an abuser. Well, no, you don't do that because that leads to shit like Mike, the ben- Mike Pence shit where you just sequester
1: yourself away from women and therefore mm-hmm. to f- uh, deny women the opportunities uh, to advance in their profession. Um, I think mainly what this does is it cements that games are no different from the rest of our society which Mm -hmm. is infested with abusers, uh, mainly due to patriarchy, mainly due to the way that we organize our society and the way that we raise uh, boys Mm -hmm. in that society and girls. But uh, I will mainly think that the issue here is how we raise boys. Uh, We don't really need to get into the basics of all that. I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you know what, what 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 the patriarchy is and and how it hurts both uh women and men mostly Probably. women almost overwhelmingly women but also men um
0: and i don't think this is going to be the end of it like no i think and 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 this is like I, I think the one thing about all this like it it everything's framed as it being like a a uh, an avalanche of you know like oh all of a sudden after after uh the accusations against soul were put out um that all of a sudden like there was accusations against everyone like that was like that was the straw that or the the thing that like cracked the the -hmm. dam i guess but like it's not it's not as if like that's the case like i think i think you can argue that um, you know, Quinn uh, came out about, about Holoka because she felt uh, that it was, like, her time to do it, uh, mm-hmm. and in part because um, uh, uh, um, uh, Lawhead, Natalie Lawhead, said that... Um, about Sol, I believe she was Soul. the first person who made allegations. Mm-hmm. And it's very brave of her, but, yeah. like, the... the you know, and we should I be clear, the-, the allegations
1: against Soul are, like, a violent rape, right? Uh, is that it might like, not be violent, but it is a rape. Um, these yes. are, this isn't like you know being sexist
0: at work or anything. Well, I mean, this is yes, yes, yeah. And she she is explicit. explicit, and also I think like the the other thing about this is they say effectively like yeah the um you know any any of the uh, I don't know how to say this like. It's clear in reading the accusations from uh, both from um, Quinn and uh, and Lawhead that like and uh, against Kennedy that like this is not there's no there's no gray area. like I yeah. think people look for gray area in this case and they're like, oh you know is it is it just an instance of someone being like upset at a boyfriend or something like that or mm-hmm. there was someone a bad boyfriend and it, that's not it. like these are these are serious, serious and not that it's never not at not serious. But, like, there's no gray area. Like, this is, like, these are accusations of assault.
1: Yeah. And.
0: But, but I guess what I was saying was it's not, like, I, I think one of the things that people will come out with mm-hmm. is people will say, like, well, you know, it's, like, it's, it's, it's people just started uh, piling on. I'm right. sure that's going to come up, that this, this is, like, a pile-on or, like, it's not really, like people had these opinions it's that like they they just felt uh, emboldened or something um it's absolutely not the case like if people mm-hmm. felt emboldened that is something that we should be glad for because they were able to actually come forward and felt like they could be heard um mm-hmm. i hope they feel that way i hope people feel that they can be heard um i don't think that just because these people make art that we like um that we should uh you know sympathize or or be the uh basically be the lawyers for mm-hmm. um that's not our job uh that is uh, absolutely not our job and and we should we should be skeptical uh in the extreme yeah, and I think that
1: really the way to understand this is that this isn't all just happening like now because of oh a plot or because of, you know, opportunism. This is deferral is what it mm-hmm. is. That's it really well is, said, yes, absolutely. What it is is it's taking trauma that should have been reported and should have been publicized after it happened and in a just society would have been. And it's been pushed down the line. So this isn't, you know, it, there's no plot. There's no, you know, it, it, it's not like this is, you know, oh, the Me Too moment has now come for games because which is what's going to be people. Which, which is yes that's, fra- about, yes, that's already the frame. That's already deframing. Uh, but it, 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 it's it's a it's a process of of deferral of a straw breaking a camel's back of a dam finally failing. It's. It's, in a, in a large sense, it's a comeuppance. Um, and, a you know, the thing about, you know, incrementalism or, you know, gradual progress is that you have to actually gradually proceed. If you hold things back, if society exists in such a way that explicit injustices like this get swept under the rug, yes, you're going to find... That eventually, ninety-nine days out of the year, nothing changes, and then on that one hundredth day, something happens. And it's 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 part of standing in solidarity with other victims. It's part of um, strength in numbers, and this 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 sort of group reporting type thing is is far from being like some some artificial. A created thing that the that the victims are doing to you know to get more attention this is how this works like right. you you do this, you keep it in, you keep this stuff in until you cannot keep it in anymore. and uh, perhaps gaming has reached that point and it's, and, it, and it should we should be clear, it's not like me too has been like really beneficial for the people who have reported. Um, no. on people,
0: uh, on their abusers in other industries. Uh, yeah, despite what the Ian Miles chunks yeah. of the world will tell you, um, there's nothing, that, like, this is not something that is going to, like, make someone's career to come out and say this. This is very no. dangerous.
1: People are going to get blackballed, do. people are going to get fired. That's, yeah. uh, women are going to get blackballed, women are going to get fired over this.
0: And I think the the other thing that's really, like, um, the other thing that's really true about this, and I, I, I think, uh, really important to say is like despite uh the fact that um many uh, things are coming forward and people are going to say like oh my gosh like how many how many are we to see like it it seems like so many um there's going to be more that don't get reported Mm -hmm. um there's going to be many more that are are never reported or never like people will never um come out about this because they are scared or because it's hard or because they don't want to or because they don't think they're going to be believed and it it's and because i see what happened to the people who do report Right. And I think the impulse with a lot of things in gaming, especially is to say like, okay, well, this is like a space that uh, is becoming more inclusive. And of course, it's going to have these these growing pains or something like there's a lot of ways to to cavil about this, even if mm-hmm. you are coming at it from a a left progressive perspective. And I think we need to really work hard not to ever cavil about this stuff. Yep um like we have to be very careful to accept that yes like this is a problem and um these reports are shocking and sad um but they're also shocking and sad in a way that uh you know we shouldn't we shouldn't be uh, uh inured to uh we shouldn't say like well this is it like we got 3 uh, people out of the industry or three people in the industry have been found out uh, that's enough or you know let's be cautious with this or something like I think this I, I again I think um, both Scott and Bethany have have dealt with this in the way that I, I hope everyone can which is to say like they they immediately said like we believe uh, Zoe uh, Quinn we believe that this is what happened to her yeah. and um, we're no longer working with Alec yeah and that's like uh, you know, you you can cavil and you can make excuses or you can, like, analyze or whatever. And obviously that's sort of what we do on this show, so we have to do this here. But I think ultimately it is simply, you know, uh, you have to sympathize with the people who come forward. You have to try and help them as best you can. You have to listen to them. Yeah. Um, that's that's our job.
1: And the thing you really have to fight, and the reason this is this is more damaging than, let's say, um, finding out that uh, Call of Duty manager or something was doing stuff like this, is that when someone creates a piece of art that you like, and there are many people, especially people who listen to this podcast, who loved Night in the Woods, who loved the Fail Better Game stuff, you like to think that they think like you do right and you like to think that they you know that you share things in common with them that this is something that maybe if you couldn't have made it that reflects something that comes from you that's yeah. that's uh, that's how you uh, that's how at least i and I, I think a lot of people view the media they like because it, it, no. it reinforces think, stuff like... and so it does feel like an absolute betrayal when stuff like this happens even though really you know the problem is that you went into thinking about them that way in, in the first place right. and there there was no way to stop thinking about them that way this is how human nature works it's it, you know it's it's not bad to feel utterly betrayed by the co-developer of Night in the Woods turning out to be a serial abuser it, it you know it's it's just it it's a difficult thing to get around
0: it's hard yeah and I think like it doesn't um, I And mean, you don't have to get into it I think like especially on the news show we don't have to talk about mm-hmm. like what it means for the art or whatever I think like what it means in the current moment for gaming is that we kind of have to acknowledge the fact that these are um, objects made by people and these people can be um, these people can be bad people yep. like the, that, that can just happen um, not just complicated not just like layered or multifaceted but they can be bad people Oh, uh um, Alexis Kennedy is retaining legal counsel so just add an
1: allegedly to all this stuff. I think we said allegedly to everything, yeah. didn't we? I don't know. I mean he's I mean, that's... he's British. He's probably going to be suing uh for defamation in British courts, which has a lower uh threshold of proof. Um yeah, I mean this is all like
0: I I don't want He's already want... actively threatening victims with lawsuits, so yeah. Great. That's a good way of seeming very innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, so, you know, just to, just to reiterate before we move on to the next thing, um, obviously, uh, we hear at patch notes and at no cartridge in general support and, uh, believe the, the, the people coming forward. And I think it's, it would be so incredibly difficult to come forward, um, with something like this in an industry like gaming, mm-hmm. uh, against people who are powerful in gaming. Yeah. Like um, I said, people are going to lose careers over this and it's not yeah, going, it's, it's not going to be the abusers. Right. So uh, yeah, I think um, you know we we support uh, as best we can. I don't know what we exactly can do, but um, you know, in any way we could do it, we will do it. Yeah. Um. Moving on uh, to slightly less depressing, but still extremely depressing news. The stuff yeah, I found less, for less this dis- week isn't great. Like it's- less systemically depressing, yeah. I suppose. Like the the rest of the news are, isn't at least like. You know, we're not we're not talking about the the systemic abuse of people in the in the industry. It's just the systemic, this basic same stuff that the industry always screws up. Now, I think the lawsuit with Blizzard is actually kind of fun. So, well, well, yeah, let's switch to. You want to do that last? Let's do that last. All right, fine. Yeah, that'll be nice to, to as a palate cleanser. All right. Um, so, uh, let's talk about Ion Storm. Uh, Ion Fury. They had to Ion change.
1: From, I'm never I think They had to change right. from Iron Maiden, I think is what they wanted to call it originally. Then they got sued. By Iron Maiden? No, by, um, maybe, yes. Yes, they got I mean, sued by Iron Maiden. I mean, why? Yeah. You know, I, I think that's
0: <laughs> to be expected. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a bullshit lawsuit anyway
0: because they didn't come up with the term Iron Maiden. It's a torture device. Um, well, sure, but I think it's a little... You're kind of... You are kind of putting your... Uh, my personal opinion is hand. that there's no way to confuse a retro shooter
1: uh, with a band, both of whom took their name from a medieval torture device. But, thankfully, apparently the people who made the now I- Ion Fury are so shitty that it's bad to feel bad for them.
0: That's right. They seem truly terrible. Um so the if people aren't familiar with this um the uh the ion fury stuff uh the game what is the game called again i can't remember ion fury is it called ion yeah, fury that's okay. the new name i thought that was the dev or the game i couldn't remember i've uh it's off of my it's off of my radar as a result but um uh the, think- the devs of ion fury are um Basically, like, a, a Discord chat got leaked with transphobic and homophobic stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's stuff in the game itself that sort of, like, is an homage for uh, Duke Nukem and stuff like that. So you can imagine mm-hmm. um, what some of this stuff is. It's uh, slightly less openly misogynist, but it, it,
1: it keeps up its homophobic and transphobic uh, bona fides. Yeah,
0: and the... There's a you know like there's a, a body wash called instead of Olay okay, O'Gay, and stuff like that like it, it, you know it's it's like thirteen year old expect. shit really yes yeah. yeah it is it and
1: is. I mean I, I, maybe uh, fair enough that's in the the vein of Duke Nukem but I hated those games too um, <laughs> yeah the uh, the developer is Void Point I believe the publisher is 3D Realms. Um and both have been fairly bad on this they 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 started out good, but then apparently um ion Fury lead developer richard gobiel gobile, mm-hmm. whatever his name is um he goes by the handle Terminix on steam um so he he started going on s j w s feminists yeah. and trans people. And declared this a free speech issue, which is not fascist at all. Not signaling fascism at all <laughs> in our current society. Um, and so both the studio and publisher have backed off uh, changing Well, and I mean,
0: this. The other thing that they've backed off on, uh, it, the other reason they've backed off is because they got um, review bombed. Mm-hmm. Um, and massively review bombed by uh, all the chuds you'd expect to review bomb, uh, something like this. And, uh, it's, uh, it's great talking. to know that steam's anti review bomb system doesn't
1: fucking work like no, of they've not, apparently not. Ins- they, 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 they this was like th- I think this is
0: the first big test of it and uh <laughs> it, massive failure failed dramatically nope. yeah basically like uh the the review bomb got uh got them to um got them to say like oh actually like you know what we we know who our audience is and uh they're not gonna want us to change this so oh. uh we're just going to keep it and, in. And, you know, under capitalism, that is actually the outcome that the system prescribes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now now it's like a thing. Yeah. Now it's a thing where it's like, oh, you know, like, everyone knows about the, the you know, instead of Olay, it's O'Gay and stuff like that. Like, everyone knows about this stuff because that's just, like, what it is now. It's not even, like, I don't know. It's not even a... This is like this is like vice signaling, yeah. right? You know how they have
1: accuse people of virtue signaling. This is vice signaling, um, right. and uh, I mean, are they wrong? Are they wrong that under that the market the market segment they're going for is cool with homophobic and transphobic jokes? I don't think they're wrong.
0: No, they're totally not
1: wrong with um, that, and with the way that we've structured our society right now it's very difficult to actually punish them for this stuff because oh, yeah. no, they're I mean, right <laughs> they're correct about the business implications of what they're doing um and and apparently there's a, there's an additional uh, a backlash to the backlash review bomb going on of people who don't like homophobic and transphobic con- uh content reviewing the game on Steam now so maybe it's compound over compound but
0: you know <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, it's yeah, it's a problem. It's hard. I, go on. I think it's a it's a it's an issue of to like any 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 um any press being good press at this point where like yeah. I think at a certain point, Ion Fury realized like oh hey like what we can do is just milk this. Like, seeing, like, when they were talking about, like, someone was like, are you still donating to the Trevor Project? Like, it seems really weird that you're doing that. And they were like, yeah. Uh, you ever heard of people just, like, doing something good and uh, and having different politics than you? And it's just like... I've heard of it. I've never actually seen
1: it in real life, though.
0: <laughs> it's just completely disingenuous and, uh, and uh, yeah, just just really bad. It um, It sucks. I, I don't know like it's it's really depressing yep yeah.
1: and uh, apparently it and the thing is apparently this game is really good
0: yeah um, and uh you know i it's very good and it's a game that has now basically been like i don't know ruined for me anyway like I don't plan on, on playing it anytime soon I mean, why why would I yeah yeah but that's that i mean that's uh that's what's been going on with that whole scene it's it's grim it's bad.
1: Yeah. It's not good, as we like to not say. Good,
0: not good. Not um, good. Well, what's the... Uh, you had one on here that I did not recognize, mm. which was... The Telltale? Um, yeah, the Telltale thing. I didn't... I, I wasn't up on the Telltale thing. So, so Telltale is, quote-unquote, air quote, scare quote, back.
1: Um, what happened was they went into bankruptcy. The uh, assets of the company were assigned to a holding company by the creditors. Um, then I went up for auction and the company was bought. Uh, the new owners of the company, uh, sort of obviously have bought it for its license ownerships and its back catalog. No. say it oh, Very so. weird. Very strange. Uh, also they have their start in mobile gaming, which <laughs> mm. <laughs> that is the exact Uh-oh. opposite of almost everything Telltale's ever done they might have a couple mobile titles but the stuff they're known for is narrative single player almost entirely desktop although i assume there are uh tablet or android or iphone versions of these but they're they're not what you think of as mobile games um, uh, correct anyway they've uh these people have taken the company uh it, a company called lcg entertainment now owns them mm-hmm. um <laughs> And uh, basically, they've said that they're not looking to hire. They're they're not starting up production right now um, on new games. They're looking at the back catalog, seeing what they can sell, seeing what they can keep. But magnanimously, they have offered to hire back some of the fired Telltale employees as freelancers. That's weird as freelancers. Oh God! So people who had actual jobs. Um, with benefits, salaries, uh, would be going back to work on basically like a tryout basis. And we're talking like the tryouts from The Dark Knight Rises, or the, the, the Dark Knight movie where Joker breaks the fucking um, pool cue over his knee and throws it on the floor. That kind of tryout for people to get their own jobs back. Right. Um, oh,
0: that's, uh, that sucks.
1: Yeah, and you know it's not... It's called Telltale Ga- Telltale Games. It's not actually Telltale Games, um, but they own the rights to it now. Just like the people who are trying, keep trying to launch a new the new Gawker, they own the rights to Gawker. Um, and it's just, it's just a great example of how our world works at this particular yeah, how the yeah. system is put together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I assume that this holding company. Uh, will get the profit that they want out of Telltale Games, even if it means that no one else gets anything of worth. Uh, and and who knows? Maybe even their games will just completely disappear, uh, thanks to the deals they make. But... Yeah. Uh, at least two guys with an industry history of going to venture capital meetings, whatever the fuck it is executives do these days, uh, will get their money. <laughs>
0: Well, that's disappointing. Um, I think what's weird about that, like, what's weird about that to me is the fact that, I don't know, like, it, it, it's strange to me that the, I'm trying to think of how to say this, it's strange to me that the, the, the world of gaming has become the same as the world of um, online writing, where, mm-hmm. like, these things are, these entities are seen as, like, Turkeys to carve up and the assets sold. Um, I don't think that's something that we could have pr- uh, predicted with gaming. I mean, it's um, something that probably someone could have predicted with uh, massive writing companies, but like gaming seems so like tenuous, or or if it gets too big, yeah. it's so hard to buy. Like, I don't know if anyone would have would have predicted that, but I mean, it it certainly makes sense. And I can't imagine who is going to be excited about the new Telltale games, but I'm sure someone. Um, will. I wouldn't have
1: predicted it because I'm not that smart. But I am not surprised by it, just because the people who do stuff like this view everything the same way. They don't really see a difference between a gaming company and a media company, and a uh, and Toys R Us, let's say. Mm-hmm. What in the same way that a tick doesn't see the difference between a giraffe or a cow. Or a horse all they see is something <laughs> to suck to use up kill and move on and they're going to do this to everything in every sector of the economy that they're allowed to and, uh, and at this point they're allowed yeah to do it there's all no indication them. that anyone wants to stop them from
0: doing it to anything so hmm well that's a shame um Boy, everything sucks. Uh, Told you it wasn't a great are we week. The fun one? <laughs> no, I mean you were honest about that at least. Um, are we onto the fun? Yeah,
1: one yeah. Blizzard. Blizzard is worried someone's stealing
0: their IP. I can't. How fucking that. ironic is that? Um, um, so, Blizzard stealing IP, this is nothing that's happened before in the past, right? Mm, yeah, no, no uh, as I've plugged multiple times
1: at the end of this show, I now do a lot of work with Warhammer 40k. Um, mm-hmm, right. Play their video games, you know, I'm, I'm fairly deep into the universe and everything. It, it took me a while, like, I already knew that StarCraft stole most of the Terran shit, from Warhammer 40k or the movie Aliens, the dropship is almost entirely just quotes from the dropship pilot in the movie Aliens. Um, nice, I love that. The power, the Space Marines are just the uh, no, the Terran really? Marines are just Space Marines except normal sized. Um, okay. The Zerg are just Tyranids, like the Warhammer 40k faction. The Tyranids are just the Zerg. Now, in fairness. Games Workshop sort of stole the Tyranids from the movie Aliens and Alien, but you know the the it is very clear that Starcraft was just lifting shit left and right. Um, the, the dragoons that the Protoss use are just reflavored dreadnoughts from Warhammer 40k. Um, right. So it, but it wasn't until I got into 40k that I realized how the dreadnought thing and the Tyranids thing I didn't realize how broad the theft was for Star Wars. And Games Workshop knew about this. They they I believe they tried to pursue legal action and found that they couldn't
0: um for various reasons. Um un- I mean how much of this is fair use? Like how much of this is like okay, so like we did a there's like an alien. Uh it it is it is an alien that like mm-hmm. uh you know, infests a body. Um, I I don't know how much you can lay claim to that. Yeah. Like, how much of that happened? Like, it's not literally the Xenomorph, so what are you going to do? Well, I mean, they...
1: Well, I believe that's how Games Workshop did not actually sue
0: Blizzard in 1996 or whatever it was. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, it seems like, it seems like one of those things that eventually you're going to get to the point where it's like, well, shoot, like, I don't really have a leg to stand on in this one in our current legal system yeah Uh, but the thing is that
1: that 1996 was a very different corporate legal environment than 2019 um the laws for ip infringement have gotten especially internationally with these uh that a a lot of cases now are decided by like i don't want to call them shadow courts but trade courts let's say um, okay. That exist mostly created by much frameworks like the TPP or NAFTA, uh, that sort of thing, and the power of companies to enforce IP infringement in 2019 is much greater, especially Blizzard Activision, uh, because that's mm, that's the amazing. other partner here. That Activision owns Blizzard, so you, they have the full weight of that company behind them. Um, yeah, that's a lot different than a, a fairly niche. Tabletop games manufacturer in 1995 or 1996. because um, we're talking about a true multinational here in Activision. Games are a huge, huge market mover now. So, so part of this isn't actually whether or not there's a legal claim. Like, and, and uh-huh. frankly, my I'm from a family of lawyers, but and I'm not one. How dare you? But my point of view is basically that the law only serves the person with actual power. Like the law isn't mm-hmm. <laughs> the law isn't real, um, and in that sense, Blizzard suing a Chinese uh, subsidiary, a mo- a mobile developer, I think it is. Um, uh, Sina Games, Sheena Games, that's probably how it's pronounced. John Cena Games. Uh, there's a whole backstory behind what S I N A Sheena means in China. Um, oh, okay. But. These two going head to head. I'm assuming that Blizzard is the uh, knows they can win because they have more market share, they have more money, they have better lawyers, they have better positioning, and they can really mess things up a lot more if they don't get their way mm-hmm. here.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and it's not that Games Workshop, uh, it's not that Games Workshop didn't have a claim; it's that uh, they had no power back then. Um,
0: yeah, that makes sense.
1: While Right now in China, mobile gaming and gaming in general is a huge concern, a huge economic concern. Like these aren't actually just games anymore; <laughs> they're they're, yeah, they're they make tons of money. A huge part of the economy, and so you know. It, uh, and and to be fair, this looks like an open shut case of infringement. Like it's actually really fucking blatant. Like I, <laughs> so they weren't careful. I'm looking at a side by side of to an orc and a human screaming at each other, just like the World of Warcraft cover. The the one thing they did to to disguise it is they flipped which side the orc and the human were on. Like, oh, okay, now it's something completely new. Uh, It's sort of like, you know how people think they haven't plagiarized when they just, like, restructure a sentence while keeping all the original words? It's it's basically that. Like, this is an open-shut case of infringement. And... Chinese companies infringing on Western IP has been a, it, an ongoing thing. It's much bigger than just this one case. And frankly, I don't I, – I, I take the Chinese company side. Fuck them. Um, but uh, I, I think they'll win this case hmm. or at least they'll get their due because um, yeah, almo- sure. almost all these cases get settled. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but it's just really funny to see Blizzard finally finally having to, um, you know, and Hearthstone, like, Hearthstone was just Magic the Gathering. They just stole Magic the Gathering, like, full out. Um, it's funny to see Blizzard actually having to defend their IP and pretending that this is something they care about. This is a sanctity thing. This is, you know, these are yeah. rules that we all must follow because Blizzard has never followed these rules. Blizzard is just sure. an outright thief and always has been. Um, and they've made great games. Like, mechanically, they, they've they been innovators, they've been trendsetters, they've been trailblazers. But the fluff for those games, especially when Chris Metzen was at the company, was basically all theft. <laughs> and, Fair enough. And I mean... so, we're in a funny situation with uh, Blizzard and, I guess, I think this game is called Glorious
0: Saga. Okay. Good name. Yeah. It's vague enough to, to work. Yeah. Good times, boy. Um, I'll be interested to see how that how that plays out. Like, and I know that's kind of a, a bizarre thing to say, but like, I really am kind of. It would be interesting to find out what is going to happen and how it's going to impact our like our understanding of what can and can't be stolen. Because yeah. I think like if in fact Blizzard does not like on the off chance Blizzard can't pull this out, um, that's going to be like a huge deal for mobile games. Uh-huh. Um, and the way that mobile games
1: change. I'm not sure this is... Uh, I mean, yes and no. I mean, it sounds like a part of Blizzard's filing was that this is just like the straw that broke the camel's back for them. Uh, this is the okay. second time I've used that metaphor in this in this episode. How dare you. Um, but, like, they, they have noted infringement upon their intellectual property uh, ongoing for years now. And that's completely fair. I believe Overwatch, more or less, has been cloned, into a a chinese uh shooter moba um cool i'm pretty like like warcraft is really popular in china so this is very obviously not the first time that um someone has made a warcraft game uh, and called it something slightly different and you know filed the serial numbers off Uh, i mean the only reason the warcraft movie got made is because of how well it would do in the chinese market and it did very well in the and Chinese market. Um, so this is more of a, we need to set a precedent. We need to make a statement. We need to establish something. They don't, I don't think they really care about the money, although they're, they're asking for $150,000 for every instance of infringement. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what legally that means, but I think it means every, literally every downloaded copy. Of the game, that
0: basically means every penny you have ever made. Yeah, I, I think us, no.
1: if you if they awarded that damage, it would probably be impossible to pay. Um. Which which is you know that's good negotiation. You start asking for um, impossible things, and once you win, you get bargained down to possible things. Yeah, you get the possible stuff yeah. right. Exactly. Um. So, uh, this is probably part of a larger conversation. About the Chinese market and Western game developers, uh, and the Chinese state is part of this conversation, um, and we don't really know
0: exactly what role they have in these in these proceedings right now. Um, it's also hard because no cartridge is now run by the Chinese. State. It's true. Um, so yeah, um, just don't don't say anything too bad. I uh, yeah,
1: President Xi Peng, please come, please come and take please over the no cartridge.
0: We love we love Xi Jinping thought here. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's it is a weird sort of instance of like the the thing we see around us all of the time, which is that China is such a massive economic power, mm-hmm. and obviously the U.S. is too, but. The fact that the U.S. is not going to be the massive economic power we've all known it to be in our lifetimes mm-hmm. forever.
1: Well, frankly, our star – this, sorry, this country star
0: is falling. China's is rising. Um, yeah, please don't say my star is falling. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, um, you know, I think this is a nice moment in, like, in sort of, like uh, – I don't know how to say it, like like it's basically like a microcosm of that dynamic, and and seeing it play out in a lawsuit about characters we all know and you know a variably some love or another, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. That's super
1: interesting. Yeah, I mean it'll, it'll be fun to see where it goes. It'll be even more fun if it actually means anything that makes sense because the lawsuit was filed in California. I'm not sure how the state of California plans to. Uh, make this Chinese company pay damages mm-hmm. um, as I said that would likely go through that trade court system that sort of exists vestigially sitting atop all of our our world courts uh our national courts the court the, the courts of the nations around the world um, because once you 've shown once, once the once the process been complete, then I guess an American mm-hmm. Trade representative will go to a in front of a judge against a Chinese trade representative and use the case as an argument that something's been done. And you know it, this stuff gets very complicated. And honestly, it's like Calvin Ball. Oh, they're of just they're just doing things. Uh, they'll talk to you about you know. Precedent and all that stuff, and frankly, anyone who has an international law degree has wasted their goddamn time. None of that stuff actually matters. Uh, yeah, it's it's making like, shit up. Like
0: leveling some leveling some some big guns against the international law community today. Yeah, fuck them. Kind of kind of kind of risky given what we said about Xi Jinping today. It's true, um, but I I respect it. You're you're firing from the hip. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's basically just, uh, I, I can't imagine that it's going to end with anything but blizzard getting this company to shut down their game, but I could also see like, all right. Yeah. But like, would it game game actually shut blizzard down though? <laughs> like well,
1: like who's going to like go, who's going to force them to turn off the servers is my question. Um, so, uh, they may get their money. They may get at least their. Um, I assume that what they want most out of this is the precedent of an IP defense to, you know, sort of serve as an example to everyone else.
0: Yeah, especially companies that looking are looking at this and thinking, yeah,
1: companies that are doing business in America, uh, doing business in the West. Um, I assume
0: that they do not actually view the first order outcome here as the point. Um no, I expect they do not. I expect the the idea that they would care about the money particularly is a bit laughable. Yeah. Um I can't imagine Blizzard cares too much about it. Certainly activism doesn't. Um Hm. Well, we'll keep you updated on yep. it. Um oh, and uh and and quick little uh, update, I was actually talking to a buddy of mine. Um I'm going to actually look up the well, you know, maybe I'll just promise it for now, but uh there is news and updates on the uh the riot situation um I'll delve into a little bit more of the impact of it next week, but this is the labor um, situation right yes okay. yes yes not the yeah there's other situations i'm sure <laughs> uh but uh the the there has been a class action suit uh settled upon so people are getting damages uh, out of uh unfair firings um on unsuitable workplaces uh people actually um the good guys won a little bit here. Well, that's good. Yeah,
1: for sure. The cynic in me says to focus on the little bit, but we'll see what happens with uh how much the lawyers take and whether the suit is, you know, regarded as indicative of something that should, could lead to larger action or
0: yeah. I expect it would be. I mean, I would think I don't know. It seems like with everything in the riot case, um, the main thing that would have terrified me, were I like uh, someone who ran Riot Games, is that uh, it all seemed like something that would uh, have a good cause to be uh, revisited in the future. Yeah. None of it seemed like particularly like, oh, you know, it's fine now. Now that's handled. This is a this is a totally isolated incident. Um, it did not seem isolated in any way. I'm, I'm hoping
1: you're right. On the other hand, I've paid attention to how Uber fares in court cases, and they are mm, somehow still going.
0: <laughs> fair enough. Well, John, uh, let's get to the part of the show everyone loves. Yep. What game are you playing, and what Warhammer game is it this It's, uh, it's
1: neither, thank God. Uh, I managed to get most of my Dawn of War 2 stuff out of my system last week. Uh, especially playing the second expansion to so the thing I'm writing about right now. Um, And what I've been mostly playing this week is a game that sounds like a genre sci-fi or fantasy licensed novel. Uh, It's called Remnant Colon From the Ashes. And what this game is, is basically uh, they've made Dark Souls games out of every genre. This one is the third person shooter Dark Souls. It looked really fun. I was looking into it. It looked
0: looked interesting.
1: I love it. Uh, The two main differences from Dark Souls is that you don't drop your body like you don't have to go okay. grab your body when you die you keep everything um there's there's no there's basically no penalty for dying um the trade off is that enemies aren't static uh especially when you get to harder areas there will be or like challenge dungeons uh there are there are offshoots of, from the main path let's say okay. you've got a main path which is just like a linear hallway with rooms uh, sometimes it looks like a city, sometimes it looks like a desert, that sort of thing. Uh, it's all procedurally generated. Uh, if I had to complain about it, it'd be that there's there's not enough pieces for the generation. Like, I, I recognize set pieces too much. Like, it's obvious that oh, okay. like when they create an area, what they do is they slap uh, four or five set maps together. And I can recognize those maps very well by now. No, okay. and, and I've only played 20 to 30 hours of it, if that. That's a shame. Um, yeah, it, it's not great. I mean, it's a $40 game. It's, it's not a full price $60. Um, and what 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 you do in it is, uh, there, so there's the progression. There's the places you can go further on. There's, there's like Fog Doors and everything. They're very clear that this is a Dark Souls game. Uh, fog Doors, Bonfire... Uh, Analogies, that sort of thing, uh, but there's ways you can branch off of that, like you can head into a sewer to do a, a dungeon, or you can head off to the side. And mm-hmm. what those areas are are there they are set um, procedurally generated dungeons with an end goal that usually gives you a unique item. Um, and in those dungeons, enemies will always spawn. The basic way that it does this is what what it does is it floods you with little enemies, guys that will eat your ammo away unless you use melee against them, Um, and then it spawns bosses at periodic intervals, mini boss characters like we're talking like you know what the Capper demons eventually became in uh, in Dark Souls, Um, and you know each of these enemies has a different uh, concept. One is the tough, slow moving mini gunner. That you just can't stand in front of, or can't be out of cover in front of, because he will blast you away. Another you basically the Doom archetype. Yeah. Another is like the dude with two swords, uh, who moves quickly. You can't shoot him from the front because he'll like swing his swords around and block your bullets. The way you kill him is you is you bait an attack and you shoot him with a high alpha strike damage weapon during his wind up. And or dodge away and shoot him in the back while he's mm-hmm. finishing his, his follow through. These are the sort of th- those sorts of mini bosses are what you're looking at. Um, and then you've got final bosses like actual bosses who are larger versions of these enemies, or sometimes unique. Um, there at one point you fight a dragon. Uh, it's pretty cool, fun. Um, and you get a boss. You get boss weapon from them. so boss weapons exist in this as well. Uh, so the trade-off of not having to recover your body is that the fighting never stops. Um, hmm. uh, it, it can stop for a while if you're doing the main course because not always because uh, in the main area enemies don't always respawn and that's nice. But eventually you're going to run into boss fights and boss fights are very tough. Um, yeah. Naturally. Yeah, Uh they do things like because boss fights. It, it, they eventually added on uh the concept of ads, you know, additional enemies that just exist to harass you uh during mm-hmm. a boss fight in the Dark Souls progression. But it especially in Bloodborne, I think Bloodborne did that a lot. But it it wasn't yeah, fair, a huge it, that happened. Yeah, a it lot, wasn't yeah. a huge part of it in this every boss fight has adds because obviously oh, you're, you know, you have a gun. You don't actually have ever have to go close to a, the boss unless you want to. Uh, so they have to find some way to punish you. So what they punish, they've they realize that Smart. the biggest punishment for you as a player isn't you know damage. It isn't armor on the boss. It isn't you know a, a big AOE that shocks you. It's dividing your attention, mm-hmm. making forcing yeah. you to to focus on things other than what you're doing. That's correct. Um, And they're correct. Uh, And it works really well. I'm liking the game a lot. I thought it was going to be like one of these uh, PlayStation... Did you ever play the PlayStation series Resistance? The Sony series Resistance? Uh, That shooter? Yes, I did. The beginning of the game looks a lot like that. It's like a ruined urban setting with alien-type creatures in it and guns and very dirty and grimy. And I thought the entire game was going to be like that, and I was kind of dreading it. But yeah. they throw you for a curve after the first big boss, which is the dragon. Um, you There's like a wizard tower just drops into the middle of – I believe this is ruined New York that you're playing in. They don't say it explicitly, but the implication is it's New York. It has New York subway trains in it, for example, the R-line. Um, oh, okay. So yeah. a giant wizard tower the just rarely. slams down in midtown Manhattan, and you're suddenly like stargated away to a hideous desert world full of guys ooh. with exploding spears who want to kill you. Uh, oh, and, like, ooh. floating skulls that want to eat your head. Uh, it, it's actually very good. I like that they change up the biomes the way they do. Um, it's, 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 it's very soulsy, yeah. Yeah, it's very uh, B-game, let's say, and it's uh, plot and treatment. Like, it's not fully voice-acted. Um uh, there's a weird thing where they they do logs like you you find books that you open and you look at and you read the pages but there's only like 3 or 4 of them but they're all like 20 pages long okay. <laughs> so it, it's you know it's you have to sit down and like spend 5 minutes reading a book whenever you find it which you know it's real books are kind of like that but it, it it's a very weird design choice um especially given how few of the, uh, how little story content there is. Like, if, if you've got three 20-page books, or 16-page books, whatever they are, you could have 20, uh, you know, five-page books, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and people laugh because, oh, why would a book be that short? But that gameplay experience is a lot better than actually having to, alright, time to stop playing, sit down, and read through all this. Yeah, um, sure, of course. So I, I like it a lot. I've been playing. I've been playing Control as well, but I don't have enough time with it to have thoughts yet. I have thoughts okay. will
0: have I'll be looking. I'll be interested to see what you have to say. Um, there's a lot of games I'm looking forward to playing right now. Um, mm-hmm. Despite uh, the one, uh, the one Waypoint review saying it's not very good, I'm I'm excited about Astral Chain. Um, I'm excited to try. Uh, i am excited to try control on my computer. Mm-hmm. I will not be trying it on my PS4. Yeah, device.
1: it does not look like it runs well. It runs very well on the computer. I, that's all that's what I can say about it now. Um I'm running with a 1060 uh GeForce card which is not state of the art. Um That's what I have. It's it's it no, runs have... well. It runs fine. Load speeds are good. I have it on an SSD. Great. Um it, the the texture pop in is weird. It seems like it, it is all calibrated for a, a console. Like Okay. Um I'll get like you you know when you there's a far away texture and it gets pixelated so it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't have to load so much it'll pixelate in this game like ten feet away <laughs> from your character oh weird it it's very strange it, mostly I notice it with the portraits it might just be the portraits, but yeah, you know, that's interesting,
0: yeah, I'm interested in seeing what that's like um that's a game I'm interested in, but uh, honestly like i've been i've been uh I've been in my um on my MMO bullshit. Mm. I've been playing um Final Fantasy 14, yeah. which has been good so far. Um What's your character's name? Uh I so I I, I uh I don't necessarily know how to pronounce it cuz I uh, as a as a gag in um when I started SMT Nocturne with uh with Piss, mm. I I named my character Dakilla. D A K I L L A. Uh, cuz I thought that was funny I still do and um I I had been naming them all Hegel or Hegelbond for a while and someone it might have been pissed was like well why don't you like why don't you go back to the other naming convention you did like what did you like forget about that and the answer was yes I had forgotten about it <laughs> so um for this one I I went back to tequila um but the character I played is like very welsh coded uh in their in their <laughs> in their sort of like character history so I named them uh, da space K-W-Y-L-L-R. <sighs> um, so like Duckfeeler or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's. That's my name. Nice. It's, it's not as bad as, um,
1: the one I saw today, which was Noctis Squall. All one word. Oh, space no. Griever. <sighs> what was the last part? Griever. I'm not sure that uh, Griever what? is actually a Final Fantasy character. Maybe not he's just grieving Squall. Noctis and Squall not being I mean, in a relationship. That's my theory. Oh well, uh, you know I do. Uh, same. Uh,
0: um, yeah, the the game's really good. Uh, it's fun. Uh, I it's an MMO though, so like, you know, part of what I find fun about it is that I can just like, um, kind of like tune out. Yeah. Um, and play, and it doesn't matter. Um, but uh. You know, if you like that, it's a fun game, and apparently the expansions, which I'm not into yet because it takes a lot to get there, are fantastic. Uh, yeah. So I, will, I will check back with you That All the players
1: of that game that I know rave about the expansions. And they refer to A Realm Reborn as just the thing you have to get through to get there. Yeah,
0: which is, I mean, it's a fine game. Oh. So that's been fun. Um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be playing other games again soon, though. Nice. For sure. But, uh, yeah, no, um, so see you again next week. Hopefully... Yep. Um, you know, hopefully, it's not as uh, as bad. grim as this week. But if it is, I hope more people are, you know, saying what they need to say and coming out and 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 just like uh, you know.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it was always this bad. We just didn't know about it. So it's not like yes. things are getting worse. It's that we yes. just know they're not good. Uh,
0: so yeah. So hopefully, that knowledge will allow us to get better. I I expect – actually, I don't know what to expect, so we'll see. But all right, John, I will talk to you again next week. Next week. Take care. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.